<laughs> it is only right and proper that I don the Pied Piper because we've got this, after, this morning the Pied Piper of Scottish cricket, Bruce Russell. Brucey, how are you doing? Uh, Johnny, I'm pretty good. It's good to see you. Good to see you guys and well done with all that you're doing. It's brilliant. Excellent. Good, good, good. So listen, you don't know Chris. Chris Ross is my uh, man. He's, he's the one in charge. He sort of organises everything. Um, I bet you don your strange outfits for every week, Johnny. <laughs> indeed. Listen, to our younger audience, that outfit is going to look very, very strange. But... <laughs> I tried it on I tried it on yesterday, and my, my wife said to me, "Gosh, you should be at the fringe, doing some juggling." <laughs> well, fringe is good. Sorry, I'm a bit normal this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd, I'd listened to you yesterday, and your uh, Kenny Rogers "Coward of the County" rendition was fantastic. Oh, did you see that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Wonderful. that was very a team song of ours, and of course, when he passed away. I felt I had to get the get the yellow get the yellow kit on and sort of do a rendition. I I always thought Bruce, you you had obviously a prodigious talent as far as cricket was concerned. But you, to me, you never seemed to take the game very seriously, and I I wondered whether if you were twenty one, twenty two these days. How would you get on in the pathways um, and the pyramid structure of Scottish cricket? Did, would that have suited you? Would you have kowtowed to that, or would you have? What would you have done? Um, I think that's a really good question. I think, being totally honest, um, I, so I I did take my sport very seriously, but I don't know. I think I was maybe a little bit fragile sort of within myself and I kind of wanted to be liked and so I developed this persona where I would kind of make make a bit of a joke of everything but also that's partly me too I enjoy um I enjoy being a bit different and doing things a bit differently and I and I also liked playing in teams where we kind of um we were seen as um good guys who were a bit off the wall rather than you know horrible nasty kind of win at all costs type of characters that's never kind of been me and that's maybe held me back at times but um i've enjoyed the ride as it were <laughs> and when you were i look back in 1985 when you boys won the scottish counties 1985 and that was of course the year that you got your your scottish cap was that were you waiting in the wings for a fair period of time or was that a bit of a shock? Um, um, it w yeah, I, I don't think, you know, I'd never thought they've got to pick me now type of thing. Uh, and and um, I was never super consistent at club level, like some of the kind of legends of club cricket, as it were. John, John Taylor would be an example. Um, so... I had to be a little bit lucky and when I got a chance I had to um, you know make the most of it and there was one remarkable instance of that that you know I'll recount it to you but um, I got I got the chance I got picked in the squad to go down they used to have um, 
pre-season a couple of matches and and these days it used to be we'd go down to Worcester New Road to play Worcester yeah. for two, two warm-up matches and although I'd been picked in the 13 that was a bit of a surprise to me and I thought you know what I've, I've probably got to do something here to to stay in for the yeah, Benson yeah. and um, I just got really lucky the first game was on the Saturday was washed out completely and um, the second game, oh, sorry, the first game on the Saturday was played, but I wasn't in the team. And the second day, it looked as though the game was going to be washed out, but they played a shortened match. Yeah. Egg, batting number four, I think, early on in my innings, I feathered one off Ricky Elcock through the keeper. Oh, he was quick. <laughs> um, just stood there. I wouldn't say I was a walker or not a walker. I, you know, but anyway, on this occasion, I'm not proud to say that. I stood around. There was a bit of a doddering old umpire that gave me not out. And uh, I copped a bit of a barrage from the guy, David, <laughs> David Smith. Um, and, um, but anyway, I got a few. So you could say that I, I think that if I hadn't, uh, if I'd been sent on my way as I should have been, I might never have played a single game. Uh, you know, I, I, I certainly there's a there's a lot of good players around in that in that era, and I think I was pretty fortunate to to get my opportunity, and um, I'm fortunate to to make a few runs and take it. And after five, so did you play? How many games did you play? Because you then got back into the side, sort of in the mid nineties. Well, I, I played three years consecutively, uh, and. Was was then uh, out the out the side for two years, and then I got back in on the back of that match that we played together, yeah. the trial yeah, yeah. match, Athmore. Um, I got back in um, under Omar's captaincy, and and I played for uh, two more seasons during which time I had my my run as captain. And I thought that I've spoken to Greg Williamson about that 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 era and also that particular game and he was telling me that the side had already been picked did, did you know that because i would have thought that had you i thought that when you scored that 100 i thought well they, they can't ignore you now um well yeah i i think they did that game you you'll i've got really pretty average memory johnny you might remember better than me i suspect that game was almost probables against possibles or i could be wrong but uh, anyway yeah i don't think that my name was penciled in before that obviously i'd been out the team for two seasons and um yeah. and i got that hundred and there there's another quite funny story attached to that my great great pal willie morton and i traveled together to that match yeah and don't know whose fault it was but between the two of us we thought it was Fort Hill instead of <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty certain Indeed. we were late arriving at the thing as well it's probably not a great thing to do in the Scotland <laughs> trial anyway uh, so again the stars were aligned and I managed to get back in and yeah uh, squeezed a couple and, and how did you get started back in the day um, yeah, so pretty interesting family background and, you know, 
studied with loads of sporting influences. My my paternal grandpa used to stay at our house in Stirling, and he when I was little, right, properly little, he would take me out on a Saturday, and in the winter time he'd take me to see the the Albion, Stirling Albion, and yeah. uh, summertime he'd quite often. If it was a good day, he would take me up to William Field. Um, not that he was particularly a cricket fan himself, but I remember him telling me, uh, watch, you know, when the pro at that time was the legendary Erwin Niffler, and he would say, when Erwin came to the crease, he said, right, you, you sit, sit still and watch this guy because yeah. this guy's something special. And of course, I had the good fortune to, you know, when I eventually went to Stirling and started playing, I had the good fortune to come under. Erwin's influence and I would say he was one of the you know the absolute key influences in, in my um, my early cricket yeah, uh, career. Yeah. Of course my other my maternal grandpa was a, was a cricketer he lived through in Glasgow and he played for Scotland back in the 1920s and eventually was actually SCU president in 1956 two, two years before um, I was born so All right. so yeah, so there was plenty of cricket uh, influence in the family. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so you got started there. When did you realise you were half decent at the game? Well, um, I think I hadn't mentioned mum and dad. We mum and dad were amazing sports people too. So I think the genes. The gene pool was pretty strong, and, and for myself and my two brothers, and we were we were all very sporty. And you know, so before I even took up cricket, you know, I I knew I had a, a bit of a talent for sport as such, and cricket was very much the game that grabbed me in the summer. I much preferred it to um, uh, tennis or golf or stuff. So um, when I eventually started. The other thing I think I went I went and started off at Stirling with the juniors, etc. And you know, Stirling didn't have amazing juniors at that time by any means. We had a good pro, a West Indian guy called um called Noel, what was his name? Anyway, and a, a good guy who was a very good coach, very patient, very uh, supportive. And um and so therefore, you know, the pathway was quite an easy one to climb, as it were, to yeah. progress towards the senior teams. And even in these days, you know, getting into there was North under 19. Uh, that was the only junior cricket, rep cricket that there was. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, eventually uh, when I got into that team meeting and getting to know guys like David Johnson, who was a superb player and... You know, became a good good pal at that time. Um, you know, and then did, be on the did you think David Johnson should have played more Scottish games? Yeah, I think I think Capo was a. You know, I, I'm, a, a bit of a kind of I, I enjoy watching stylish kind of players, and he yeah. he to me. You know, I was kind of like that watching Capo playing when he was my age, uh, and he would. He, I think, he maybe in a funny sort of a way um, suffered um, when Mikey, Mikey Smith, another great yeah. talented. Um, you know, I think if these two 
had been playing for one of the clubs down in the central, uh, the you know, yeah, the, yeah, Glasgow uh, Belt. I think they would both have had a lot more caps maybe than they did. Um, that's just a personal it, it, opinion. There was, there was certainly a bit of the sort of Edinburgh Mafia type thing. I mean, yeah, you know, back at, back in the day. I mean, don't get me wrong. Richard Swan was a fantastic player. But I'm not entirely sure at 39 he'd be playing in the setup at the moment because back in 1990 he was 39 and still captaining Scotland. Yeah, so that, uh, well, sorry, Chris. That that that. I mean, we've spoken a lot about that journey with the WDCU versus the East League and stuff. So has that view been prevailing for all that long? And what do you think fed into it when you guys were both around the setup? Like, what caused it? Uh, what What do you mean? The like what, what, yeah, yeah, what led to the Edinburgh clubs controlling everything, if that's the way it was? Um, I'm not sure, really, but it was, it was clear that um, these two kind of powerhouse leagues, mm -hmm. East League, the Western Union, uh, there wasn't that much love lost between these two, you know, I, I was sit sitting at that stage apart from that it, and Sterling just you know watching and observing this but um, it was clear there was uh, uh, um, you know the the east you, you have these uh, great players the Heriots kind of great bunch of Heriots players the Heriots yeah. team from um, that era I and I think you know a function of a function of that is that you have and don't get me wrong I've great pals amongst these these guys too but quite rightly they were they were proud of their success and proud of their um their background and if you like and i think you know you would have similar you know when i went to clydesdale and um, i'm not maybe making myself as clear as i could be here but when i went to clydesdale i became more aware of that really deep-rooted pride in you know their club and their 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 history and stuff so guys like the rack and um scotty and stuff and clays were just you know that you could see how the west would be and west of scotland would be another example greener some amazing characters and and you know strong strong characters um and they they formed this kind of bond if you like and um i think the best thing that could happen to dissipate that, which probably wasn't very healthy, East v West, was uh, you know the leagues coming together and the National League. Um, but um, you know it made for interesting viewing. I think Richard, back to Richard, um, he was my first Scotland captain, and well, of course, I mean he captained the team for ten consecutive yeah. years. I I posted on one of these. Um, uh, uh, the former players' website. That yeah, I just think I think it's unbelievable that he is not in the Hall of Fame. Is he not in, nominated for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that just seems mental. Yeah. Aye, absolutely mental. So I don't know what that's all about either. But um, you know, Swanee was a good guy, extremely brave, and uh, and I found that he was you know a really trustworthy good good man who um um you know i may be biased because he gave me a shot but um and um, he was a hard character i mean you he, he was yeah, certainly he was, one from leading from the front there was no doubt about that 
Okay, the cliche doer uncompromising would actually fit, fit pretty well with, <laughs> with Bond, but he was a lovely guy as well and um, yeah. and he could play and you know what <laughs> in these days when you're going in number three <laughs> and against these English counties who quite often had two of the world's best bowlers coming at you um, you know you had to you know you earned your you earned your runs Absolutely. So Clydesdale, because you, you went and proed at Clydesdale, you had your, your time at Stirling and, and you won, uh, I think, the county championship back in 85. You got your Scottish cap in 85. But when did you go over? Well, t tell us the story behind you getting the job at Clydesdale, because it was quite unusual at the time to get a homegrown pro. Yeah. And, um, well, I, I mean, basically, Sandy was a guy, Sandy Strang was a, a chap who I'd uh, come across and who, um, you know, I, I enjoy speaking to Andy, who's got that kind of passion and mm. uh, enthusiasm for the game. And, um, but the phone call was massively out the blue and it very, very luckily coincided with me having been my job because I'd lined up two seasons in New Zealand. Right. So I packed in my job at Stirling University um, Sports uh, Department. I had that lined up and then I had a phone call from Sandy saying, do you fancy a two-year two gig at the Dale? And it was just perfect. So it was really a no-brainer. And um, not, notwithstanding, you know, the wrench of leaving Stirling, which was, you know, back in these days, people were kind of one club men mm. and I was, you know, well, Stirling County was a huge part of my life. Yeah. Um, so when so did you go to the Dale? I, I'm so bad at... Um, was it 89? I think it was later than that. I think it was 91, 92 possibly. Um, and so I had, I had a fantastic experience there with what I would describe as the best club team. Okay, you know, the stats might not say that because we lost a league decider to West uh, in that first year and we lost the Scottish Cup final, um, I think, in the second year. But my God, we had a, a brilliant team and the only thing that was maybe missing was a, a pro who would score <laughs> <laughs> a million runs and a million hits. Um, but... There were a few characters in that Clydesdale dressing room. It must have been a quite a tricky job trying to because you were the pro. Did you captain the side as well? No, Sandy. Sandy was the captain. Sandy captained it, and um, I think that worked really well. And and obviously, you know, I would have influence as the pro. As you very, very rightly say, there, there was lots of other strong characters. But to be honest, they're largely young guys. It was a really, really young team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I was to reel off Greg, Stroppy, um, Greg Williamson, Ian Stanger, that is... Um, Ziggy? Uh, was Ziggy, Ziggy playing? Zafar Mahmood, um, so wonderfully talented uh, off-spinner. Mushi, yeah. Rennie Keith, uh, Richard Rutniger, I mean, great guys, great, great characters. Jeez, that's, a, that's a stellar side. 
then and then you had Donald Orr coming across from Pollock with Ronnie McGregor, two other two more, you know, super super talented. Well, in Donald's case, I mean, Donald was an unbelievably talented cricketer. Ah, oh, I tell you what, for I, I, Pollock, an amazing guy too. I mean, Donald Orr to look at. I mean, you would have loved that because you were saying that you liked the look of of Kappa when he played. Just technically a wonderful player, but just seemed to have so much time on his, his side and a beautiful keeper as well. He was a, he was really really um, hugely talented in both these areas. I tell you what, if Donald could have run between the wickets, <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit that himself. But um, he was a brilliant player. Yeah, so good. But you and know, so great. Greg, strong character, great, great, you know, real leader, you know, Ian Stanger, very, you know, think of it, there's so many strong views and viewpoints and so, so for me it was almost perfect because Sandy, Sandy had the tough gig of being captain, <laughs> I had the easy kind of job of getting them all on side and, um, you know, trying to Help and and there must there must have been various times where they were all quite happy to air their views after maybe a game that you should have, have won. What was that like? Well, to be honest, in that first season, we there weren't many games that we didn't win, and yeah. um, you know we were we we're a good team. And um, but even so, you know it, it was it was pretty spicy and it was good. And but they off off the park. I thought they were great fun and, um, you know, I'm not sure, um, yeah, just, just, just a, a, a very, very diverse group and um, really pretty inspiring to play with these boys. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, I wanted to talk about John Taylor. He was a guy who didn't ever, I don't think he ever got a Scotland cap. I'm probably one of the most underrated players that uh, you've come across. Well, um, I think folks, everybody who'd played against John would, wouldn't underrate him, as it were. Um, it, it's just a maybe, um, I think in these days, the, the prevalent, you know, there's a kind of orthodoxy about the way teams were picked and stuff. Mm -hmm. John yeah. didn't maybe, uh, um, fit that that niche. He hit a lot of balls in the air, for example, um, as an opening batter. But my God, he was so talented. And uh, you know, if <laughs> you know to attest to his hand-eye coordination, you just need to watch him play hockey for half an hour. He's a sensational hockey player, football goalie, um, you know, all rounder. And uh, so. Um, so gifted in his technique and his uh, courage against the quicks. Yeah, you know he was he was uh, something else, and um, he was just because he was a bit different, and he just fitted that Stirling County profile so well. You know, we just loved watching him walk out to open the batting for us. It was uh, it was good. It was it was a privilege to to watch tails going at it. So that, that profile you mentioned there about um, Stirling County and uh, you know, a, a team that really loved the game, 
sledging was quite a, a big thing back in the day, but you took it to a different level. In the, <laughs> you, you almost, it, it was never, whilst it might have been directed at the batsman, it, it was never nasty. It was always sort of a, on a different plane. Was that just because you wanted a laugh or was there any reason why you decided to go down that route? I mean, JT, John Taylor was telling me that, that you used to comment about what people were wearing and where did they get their shoes and, and, and where did they get that haircut? Um, well, yeah, I, well, first of all, uh, you know, I wouldn't describe myself as a kind of traditionalist at all, but in that sense, I was pretty traditional. I didn't really like... I didn't really like the nasty edge of sledging or, you, you know, cricket's a sport where you don't almost even need to ramp that up. It, it's contained within the game itself. You know, it's yeah. 1v1 in a kind of hostile type of environment. If you're the batsman, you know, it's 11v2 out there in the pitch. And I think that's enough, you know, and, and therefore I never really used to like... Uh, a really aggressive, aggressive, hostile, uh, verbal kind of sledging. I don't think it really has to have a place in the game. I don't really understand why people feel that it does have to have a place in the game. So yeah, I think we were we were different, and I'm I'm glad that you said that. There were, hopefully there wasn't an edge to our chat, and you know it was as much <laughs> us chatting to each other as it was that kind of chat where you thought. Why are you saying that? And then it got to a stage where you started thinking about what you were saying. And then, so I, I thought it was absolutely f fantastic way about disrupting somebody, um, but just putting that sort of seed of doubt in, in there. But, well, I've paid a lot of money for these shoes. Why, why, why don't you like them? <laughs> I, a couple of sh uh, shoe stories. Sounds like we had a bit of a shoe fetish. By <laughs> I really just—I don't want to imagine what the showers were like after your games. <laughs> I remember one time we're up at Fort Hill and um, we're batting first, and you know we got on very well with the the Forfarshire guys. Um, you know, but in that day they had a couple of guys who were quite spiky, and um, but but you know, fine. But I remember I'm, I'm about to put my shoes on. I take my, my, my cricket shoes and I, I take them out of my bag and I'm looking at them thinking, who has done that? And it's like obviously Mort or Tails or Georgie. Uh -huh. And somebody has, we used to love our glam rock music back in the day. <laughs> and somebody has painted my cricket shoes orange black stripes. So it's like tiger feet. <laughs> so I walk out. <laughs> I had to walk out. Because you've, uh, you've only got one set of you've only got one set of spikes. I've only got one set of shoes, and so I've walked walked out. You know, to be honest, every step I took out towards the middle, I was liking them more and more. To be honest, <laughs> so you know that was a almost an example of Stirling County reverse psychology. So you know how how start? They're not going to start having a go at my mother or something if I'm wearing a pair of tiger feet when I'm. <laughs> It was just, um, you know, we do things like that that were quite, quite different. Johnny, you, Johnny, you mentioned sowing seeds of doubt there, Bruce. When I was doing a bit of my, uh, my pre-reading, pre I've got an article open here about sowing some seeds of doubt with David Gower at Hamilton Crescent in a Benson Hedges game. 
able to talk us through that? Uh, yeah, well, um, the game was, as you say, a Benson's game uh, against there. The game was one of these that got split into two days because of rain. And um, I remember that we, post sorry, yeah, the, the first day was a late start. We didn't post very many. They were not going to have enough time to polish the game off. So it was going to go, it was inevitable it was going to go into a second day. But um, anyway, Gower was due to come in at, uh, I think he came in at four. Um, no, he came in at number three. And um, we'd, we'd talked about doing this beforehand. And, that, you know, when Gower came in, you know, this bunch of Scottish guys, you know, with kind of straw coming out their ears, didn't know what was going on. <laughs> we would get a right-handers field for Gower and then have to change it when he came in and took his guard as a left. So, so that, all, we were all in on it. Gower comes in, takes his guard left hand, and, I, and I've gone, oh, boy, it's left hand, boys, left hand, left hand. And, you know, so it was like, again, a, a really? reverse side. And Georgie Salmond <laughs> told the story beautifully of how he then was had to skip across from cover point right across in front of Gower. And he said he had a good look at Gower, and Gower just had this kind of lazy smile on his face as if he... <laughs> What a bunch of twats. <laughs> so it was, uh, and then Gower got out. Whether it was first ball or pretty soon afterwards, I don't know, but he, he nicked one to the keeper, so that was very... <laughs> and and George, uh, George was saying that he tried that with Brian Lara. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't work quite as well. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, um, I suppose these things either work or they don't. But um, it was... <laughs> It was, for us, it was, yeah, so it was, um, it was nice to have a, a group of guys who would go along with doing something like that, you know, so it's, you know, so we weren't going, oh my God, it's David yeah, Gower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have a, we'd have a bit of fun. It was good. I'll take you back again to, to Sterling and, and George Maguire. For a guy who um, I used to face back in the day, I mean, he was one of the guys that was just absolute clockwork. Um, Tails told us a, a story about test tubes that, that you reckoned that he only had a certain amount of overs and then once you told him that was it, then he got his test tubes out. Talk <laughs> us through that. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it was that, that the test tubes phrase was, uh, tales invention, but that was exactly so. George would, George was really, you know, he was quite quiet on the pitch, but he would, as you say, he was, he was, he was very, very accurate and really competitive in a quiet sort of a way. And um, like all these type of bowlers, he he just wanted one more over, you know. And when I had to say that, right, Georgie, this okay, last one, this is your last one, and. <laughs> It would then be slower ball, back of the hand, whatever, you know, just desperately trying to get a wicket so he could stay on. But uh, yeah, that was, so the test tubes was Tails' way of saying, try it, try everything to <laughs> Fantastic. Listen, we've got three questions we will always ask all of our guests. The first one is um, batting for your life. So you're in a situation where you're up against it. Who are you going to choose? to get you 50 
Otherwise, you're dead. Well, uh, I can't go anywhere other than uh, tales, and I know that we've talked about tales already. But um, I know uh, a bit of sort of Russian roulette. <laughs> tales he'd, is, get, he'd get you fifty but, quickly, but you'd be yeah, shitting yourself. Yeah, every you, want, you want to know? You want to know your fate, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you look at Taylor's record, sir remarkable consistency yeah, for somebody yeah. in a positive fashion and and you know what i wouldn't want my life to be in anyone else's hands that's Big wonderful tale. That's i wonderful. thought man good stuff um and then it, this is a new one what about hitting the stump right so you've got you've got to pick one person and they've got to hit the stump fielding or bowling bowling Jeez, right. Oh my God. Uh, I'll get back to you on that one. We'll come back uh, to you on that one. <laughs> and then finally, we've got one. Um, who, was, who, who did you hate facing as far as a batsman is concerned? Who always had the hex on you? Uh, you know what? Um, there's a guy. He was a he was a good he was a good bowler, and um, but again played for in these days quite an unfashionable club. And yeah. uh, I just I just had nightmares about batting against them. There was a guy called Keith Graveling who played for Fifeshire, and uh, he bowled left arm over, swung it around a bit, right, and. For whatever reason, Fifeshire v Stirling County, that was probably the least uh, friendly game. Um, <laughs> was it a bit on, spicy? Yeah, it's just there's just a, a kind of clash of um, ideologies. So, um, so uh, well Keith put. who's <laughs> a good guy, eventually played in the central uh, our central uh, district team. And quite rightly, you know, because he was very consistent. But um, I just used to, you know, no rhyme or reason to it, but I, I just couldn't get runs against him. And, places where, you, and places where you like playing, but where did you like playing most? Um, we loved, um, we loved, we loved all of our road trips, really. But uh, Aberdeen, Aberdeenshire has, a number of special kind of connotations for me. Um, um, we loved going up there back in the day. You know, I've seen Willie Mortz and I just on a whim just decide to actually stay over. You uh -huh. know, we had a game on the Sunday and no means of getting back to Sterling. <laughs> 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 were, 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 you, um, were you part of the road trip back in the 80s where you were giving Spider McLaren a lift back down to Dundee and you ran out of, of you hadn't have got enough petrol and you were halfway to Dundee and halfway to Aberdeen and then you realised that you actually couldn't get to Dundee and what you had to do is then end up going back to Aberdeen to get <laughs> some more petrol and there was another two hours in a boozer. Yeah, that rings a... Uh, fairly strongly rings a bell. I also remember a time when we eventually ended up staying over at the current president, Willie Donald's uh, house, and um, 
Morts and I, and we left. We thought it was quite early, loads of time. We left with no car for a cup match against Greenock in the afternoon. And we had to phone at half past one asking for a pickup. And the guy goes, Where are you? And we said, um, Just outside our broth. And, uh, you know, so it was like <laughs> Aberdeenshire was <laughs> just crazy. We loved it. But also, that was my first Scotland cap. Um, up there. Was up there against Derbyshire in a Benson's match. So very fond memories. Great guys. But, but you know, so many good away trips back in these days. And um, it's something that I don't think that, that really is, is done these days. Everybody's just once you've once you've once you've finished the game, pretty much everybody's buggering off, and nobody's even staying for a drink these days. It, it's it's really sad. I think everything just society's changed, hasn't it? I mean, think when we started playing, you'd have married men who were happily playing two games, a league game on a Saturday and a friendly on a Sunday, and were mm -hmm. you know we didn't family for the entire weekend basically. Yeah, uh, you know. In retrospect, that seems a bit kind of weird almost, <laughs> but um, <laughs> it was different. It was different in these days, yeah. And, and you know, we were pretty fortunate. I mean, it was such such good fun. As you just look forward so much to these roller coaster weekends. It's brilliant. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Listen, we're, we're running out of time here. We've got a couple of minutes left. Um, so thanks very much for... For coming on, Brucey, it's been fantastic. That story about the tiger feet is just brilliant. Um, yeah, tiger feet, great tune. So <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure, Johnny. I'll um, see you soon. Excellent. Good night, Bruce. Thanks very much, mate. Speak to you later. Bye. And there he goes. There he goes. We need to get you to talk more. This is like. I know, well, it's just a history lesson at this well, point. I know. It, it's a bit difficult, isn't it? Because you've obviously not played with any of the guys, so... Well, no, exactly, exactly. But look, it's a good way to spend my Sunday morning. Well, that's uh, true. And anyway, we might have cricket back soon to actually talk about. Yeah, now I wanted to talk about, for a couple of things to talk about, obviously. First of all, is, is that haircut of yours again? You, you tell me you're, <laughs> joining, you're joining the Marines. Yeah, that's me, mate. I'm out. No more board duties at West. I'm off to, off to, off to join the Navy. I, I thought you might be doing a bit of modelling in your Jean-Paul Gaultier um, t-shirt there. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next week I'll have a, a bag, bag of onions round my neck and a wee, wee pencil moustache. I'm loving it, loving it. Listen, the last thing I wanted to talk about is Bruce's back. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not going to do anything to you. <laughs> He's back. We can't get rid of the man. <laughs> um, yeah, what about WDCU abrogating responsibility um, and, and not doing anything as far as organising cricket? Question. Yeah, I think, I don't know. So it looks like we are going to get cricket. Mm -hmm. Doesn't look like it's going to be organised. Um, Probably one to discuss in slightly more detail rather than when we're about to get cut off, <laughs> cut off now. But uh, but I'm just pleased that it looks like we might get something back over the next couple. And we're, we're getting some sort of um, put together league, I and mean, there's eight teams I think that are keen to play in some sort of Sunday knockabout 40 over a side stuff. There's some, yeah, there's talk of something getting.